All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome back to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. We've got a great interview today. It's Connor Garland from the Vancouver Canucks. Funny story with with this one. Uh, Garland grew up in Situate, Massachusetts, which is just 20 minutes from where I grew up. So I was talking to him a little bit before the show, and I told him that. And uh, and I mentioned where I'm from, Hanson. And and even in, if you live in the South Shore, as densely populated and as big as it is, Hanson's kind of an in-between town because the highway doesn't run through it. There's no malls. There's no major retail. You just wouldn't really drive through it or know, even know about it sometimes unless you had a specific reason to. Well, it turns out Connor Garland grew up uh, with my neighbor, played hockey with him, uh, my neighbor Jay, who ended up playing at UNH, played a little bit in the AHL, had a really good career in the East Coast Hockey League, and they're just best pals. Like, Jay was in his wedding, and uh, yeah, it's a small world. Jay and I played street hockey together many times, and it's funny how those things connect. So we have a great interview coming up talking about uh, his early start to his career in Arizona. He actually played in a camp with John when he was 18. John didn't remember, but Connor did. So it was it was fun. And then, uh, as always, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Give Better. Visit givebetter.app slash DTG to check it out. We actually had a winner. Uh, one of our fans, one of our listeners won 100 bucks the other day. It's pretty simple. You just go in on the app every day and you make five picks. If you get all five of them right, you win 100 bucks. No deposit required. Just to give them some basic information and you make your picks. If you don't like it, you can swipe to the next one. You choose your five, you submit it. And if you win, you get 100 bucks. It's that simple. It's that easy. Um, check it out. Givebetter.app slash DTG. Without further ado, here's Connor Garland. Good afternoon, everybody. We got a good one today. Thanks for joining us. Episode 590. We got a Vancouver Canuck, arguably first-line player now, the way it's been going. Just like having a fantastic season. He was nice enough to come on the show. I feel like we do a Vancouver Canucks player, Tim, every every two weeks now. It's like what we do. We check in with the Canucks just because they're, we're jumping on the bandwagon. But Connor Garland is here today. Thanks for joining the show, Connor. Thanks for having me, guys. We were just talking before we pressed record. You just got off an epic road trip, and I wanted to start with that because I, I played out west in San Jose. Can you tell everybody how long the road trip was? Because it was, it's incredible. Yeah, I think we left the 2nd of January, and we just got back. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough sometimes just when you're, when you're on the East Coast for so long. 
I think the, the one thing people don't realize is you finish up a game uh, to end the road trip and you still have a five hour flight home and you get back in the middle of the night. So that's sometimes the toughest part of all of it. But uh, we had a couple uh, weather, weather delays. We got stuck in uh, Long Island and, and Buffalo and we got into Columbus the night before last uh, last night's game at about 9, 30, 10, and we played it one. So it was a bit of a grind, but, you know, we were fortunate to pull a point out of it. So logistically speaking, do you pack a massive suitcase? Do you have a laundry service midway through? I know the Canucks take care of their players really well. How do you pack? Cause you're gone for two weeks. Like, no, like legit two weeks. How do you pack for that? Yeah, I pack a giant bag that comes on the plane with me and then a, and then a big suitcase. Um, and then just, you know, a, a pea coat, uh, a suit, you know, try to yeah. just try to wear as simple as clothes as possible to games. And then, and then the rest of the time, just you know, miss a match. So, um, but, uh, you know, it, it uh, most important is probably just the socks and underwear. You just, you can never, you can never have too many because you might have to te- a team stretch or go for a walk with some guys. So you got to have as many as possible. And then do you end up having a suitcase for dirty laundry and one for clean laundry? I have a uh, like compartment in my suitcase that I just throw everything in that that is dirty, yeah. um, and then I just I just come home and um, somehow it magically disappears and my wife gets a hold of it. It's pretty it's pretty nice. Isn't that nice? That's why you should get married, Tim. <laughs> Tim doesn't believe in marriage. He's just a consummate bachelor, right, Tim? You're making stuff up now, John. Come on. How old are you? And you're single. Moving on. Connor's got to figure it out. He's Connor's 27. All right, show, moving on. Not me. He is. So let's move on to Connor Garland. You scored yesterday, your sixth goal of the year. I mentioned your line lately because it's been getting a lot of press for good reasons. You got Teddy Bluger, you got Dakota Joshua, and you got yourself. Three guys who you would never think in a million years would work on a line together. What makes this line work so well? And why is everybody talking about you guys when you have a team with JT Miller, you got Pedersen, you got all the great Russians, you got Quinn Hughes. Why is everybody talking about you guys? Yeah, uh, sometimes nicer when they don't. You know, when that when that uh, big big line has some nice nights, it's it's nice to go under the radar. But um, it's three players. Uh, I think Teddy is is very underrated. How good he is defensively. He he keeps so many plays alive with his poke check and and how he stabs the puck and keeps it alive in the ozone. And then Dak is, I think he leads the league. He's up there in the top for hits. Um, and he you know, has 11 goals. So two, two guys that are really, they're our top two PKers as well. So they're so defensively responsible. And um, you know, I sometimes try to provide some offense for the line. And, you know, if it goes in, it goes in. If not, you know, we create energy and, and do stuff, uh, you know, that, that doesn't end up on the score sheets. And we just try to be effective each and every night. As a third line, you have to, you have to bring energy no matter what. So, um, but when you get results, sometimes you get, you get a little bit of press. You're not a third line. You're second line. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? It makes us, it makes us, a, I think, a dangerous team when, when, when we have a third line like that. I think that's all, all the great teams. You know, I grew yeah. up in Boston, you know, and watched them win a couple, well, one cup, but being a couple of cup finals and, and how deep they were throughout the lineup with, you know, third line players like, you know, Peverly and Louis Erickson, and all these guys that came in, in and out of Boston. That That's kind of what makes, you know, some good teams is the depth. You know, we have such star power that it's nice to help out in a, in a different way. You were a kid growing up in Boston. Did you see my hit versus Louis Erickson back in, I think it was 2012? When I, I do him remember. The middle? Yes. Yes. You think that was cleaner? What'd you think of that? <laughs> That's not for me to decide. I think Buff- Buffalo and Boston had enough problems. I know uh, Lucci hit, hit Miller, I think, the year prior. Uh, yeah. You know, I think one of my favorite fights ever was, was uh, him fighting the next year, and he won the fight. Um, you know, it kind of made you – 
feel like nobody could stop the Bruins at that point. So um, oh, sure then, I, then I came in and cleaned up Sean Thornton pretty good in Boston. <laughs> so I we're, we're forgetting that part, Connor. I don't think that's that's going to be said. So I'll say I, I it. Block but... out, I block out all the bad ones. I just remember <laughs> the, the Leaf series and, and that hit. That's it. <laughs> so you mentioned your line doing things that don't show up on the score sheet. Like, what do you what do you mean? Because we got a lot of fans, hockey fans, but we've got a lot of people who don't know hockey that well. What do, what do you mean by not showing up on the score sheet? Well, we get a lot of defensive zone starts, and um, we, we consider it a, a good success for our line is that we'll end up a lot of those shifts in the ozone with a face-off, and then um, you know either Miller or Pedersen can come out and, and do what they do best. And uh, that's that's a good momentum builder for our for our team, and uh, we take a lot of pride in that. And Teddy's such a good face-off guy, and, and Dak is, is really good on the walls. I think that's probably his best quality is his percentage of getting the puck out on the walls with a deep pinching is, is extremely high. Um, and I just have to come over and slash and give support, and then we try to get it in the ozone. So it's 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 a, it's a small part of the game, but it's it's nice when you can get your top players uh, consistent ozone draws. So everybody knows about the fight between you and Dakota. I'm sure. Listen, there's reasons for fights. I'm just wondering why would you do that? You like he's a he's an absolute monster out there these days. What was going through your head when you're challenging this guy in camp? Yeah, I ac- I accidentally undercut him um reaching for a puck i'm i'm very i'm you know i'm small out there and i play play small i'm i'm I'm, i sit low towards the ice um i should say like and uh i kind of got under his legs and he went over top and he didn't know who it was so he was kind of just running at guys and and he was upset and it was me and and he he ended up getting me with a good slash so i just you know I, i i you know snapped a little bit what it is what it is but you know fortunately you know it's it's silly obviously because it's vancouver and there's a lot of media and that, that makes its rounds around twitter but to us it was over i think at the end of the day and um, yeah he's he's obviously one of my good buddies on the team we sit together on the plane and have a lot of a lot of chats i don't think we've talked about that since so but i <laughs> I, I know i'm sure it's I'm sure it gets brought up now that uh you know we've played together the whole season now I know your fighting style is is a lot like Rob Ray, just because you you shed the gear, you shed the jersey, and you try to get free because you like to throw the bombs. Was that going through your head when you when you were when you're squaring up with Joshua Dakota? Where you're like, okay, I got to get my jersey off because I saw the Marshall fight. You, it yeah. was everything was off, and it was a way yeah, we was go. A tough, that was a tough fight. I, I had a broken finger there. If you see it, I kind of go into the fight with my uh, with one of my fingers sticking up in the air. Um, Ooh. So, but, uh, it was just a bad, but he, uh, he got the, he got the better of me in that one. Um, uh, but Josh, I, uh, Josh didn't throw a punch. You know, he deserves a lot of respect for that. He could, he could punch my head clean off. So he, uh, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't touch me. He just kind of held on and, and let me get my frustration out. And then the guys on the bench and everybody cleared it, cleared it up. And we went, we went on our way. That's funny. Well, let's talk about this year because, it, you guys are having a great year. This is your third season with the Canucks. We'll get to the trade. I'm friends with OEL, so I know him a little bit. You guys are having a great year. Everybody knows at first place by a mile in the Pacific Division, everything seems to be clicking. Everybody's having a good year. Why? We we talked to Tyler Myers a few years ago. We talked to JT Miller. He comes on the show quite a bit a couple years ago when they were struggling, when things weren't working well. Why is it working this year? You were part of those teams when it just nothing was clicking. Why this year are you 29, 11, and four in first place and everything's going in for you guys? Yeah, we had, we had talk come in halfway through the year last year and implement this system. Um, and I think something underrated was we had, we had that 30 games to kind of get caught up 
and we didn't have a lot of turnover. I know we added some new D and, and a couple forwards, but uh, a lot of us understood the system going into camp. And then the guys that didn't picked up on it very quickly. So that was that was a huge advantage for us coming into the season and get off to a good start. And you know, last year we we lost a lot of leads, and it, it's tough sometimes when you don't when you don't have uh, something to fall back on. And and now when we have a lead, we, we we understand how we have to play. We don't change how we play, but we play we play in your face and we push two, and, and you know, we stick to our system. And it's uh, it's implemented very well where all four lines can get rolled out and play it, whether we're down or up. So it's, it's our team to play against when, when we are playing well. So how different is the system is between talking and Boudreaux? Because you mentioned systems and implementing them and, you know, everybody's on the same page. What are the main differences between these two mentalities? Uh, it's it's tough. I think um, you know both systems were were good. I just think this one you know maybe has fit us a little a little more um, how how our forwards or maybe how our defensemen have to play. You know our our, our D zone is, is pretty structured. We're, you know we don't we don't really give up a lot. And uh, a lot of our shifts we are in the D zone and it's passed around on the outside, which is which is a sign of a good hockey team. You see Vegas is a lot like that. How how they just keep a lot to the outside and a lot of the shots are from the points. Um, but I think our neutral zone has probably changed the most for us. We're, we're much faster coming through the neutral zone. We, you know, we're aggressive. We, we try to stay above everybody and, and, you know, our D move the puck fast. And, uh, that's probably another huge reason we had, we had some D come in that are, that are very, very good hockey players that, are, that have helped us out a lot this year. A few weeks ago, we had Zadorov on the show and it was pretty much right after the trade. He'd only played a couple of games at that point for you guys. What has he brought to the team both on and off the ice so far? Yeah, big big Z's, he's 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 a guy that um, you know makes you makes you play a certain style when he's on the ice. You have to have your head up. You know, he he doesn't. Let's say he's trying to hurt guys, but he 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 looks he looks for contact. Um, and it's someone uh, when I played against, I was always aware. You know, at the draw, you look out, you see he's out here. You, you got to get your head up, and you got to protect yourself and put yourself in good positions because he will he will finish his checks. He has here a bunch. Um, but he just causes that extra bit of, you know, worrisome out there. And we have another guy, uh, Carson Soucy is the same way. Um, that was another guy in Seattle where, you know, he caught me once. Um, and he's just a guy that, you know, enjoys contact. And, and those guys are no fun to play against. So it's nice having those those two on our back end. You got your, you got JT Miller. I mentioned he's been on their show. He, the guy's got a little bit of a temper, uh, to say the least. And I like it because it, it, Brings a lot to our show when we have him on because he just lets it fly from the hip. He could care less what he's saying or how it's going to be taken by who, whoever. Last year, he was criticized because he was yelling at some defensemen, smashing his stick, you know, screaming at the bench. How is that taken in the room? Because like you mentioned with, with you and Dakota, the, the media just takes it and runs. I played for a long time. I know how that's just a minor thing and guys just a blip on the radar. Does it get amplified in Vancouver? Did he address the team when he's doing that stuff? Uh, no, and, and, I, and I don't think he really has to. I think the one thing with Millsy is that he, he's passionate and yeah. hockey's his life. And when he's away from the rink, especially now as, he, as he's you know getting older and having talks with them is – it's it's what he thinks about constantly is how to uh, how to help us win and and how to make our team better as a player or as a leader. So that, that's the one thing you can't take away from him. Even if he's having a, a night where he's having a temporary slamming a stick, he's engaged, and uh, that's eighty two games of him being engaged. And when you're when you're such a dominant presence uh, defensively, offensively, and with his you know body, uh, there's not many players like that to have somebody that's mm. 
that's ready to play each and every night is is a is a big reason why we have success. You know, he he drives a lot of our forwards, and uh, you know, I'm sure he, he slams a stick once in a while, and you got a duck. But I mean, he, he's he's a hundred point guy that plays defensively and, and runs guys over. So there's that's that's not that's that's pretty rare in this league. What's the most thing you've done when you're frustrated? You ever break your stick? You come off the bench? You bust it over the boards? You just do you internalize it? Then you get home and yell at your wife? Is that what you do? Oh, no, we don't. We don't talk <laughs> hockey here. Uh, but she, no, I, 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 I'm no saying I slam my stick. I, I slam a door. I, I, I have really bad habits in junior um, that you know I definitely, I definitely worked on. But I, I still slam a door from time to time and and um, yell at myself. But uh, I've gotten better at it. It's, uh, it's. You just never want to be a distraction on the bench, and that's that's probably the the one thing you try to try to worry about is you have it happen, and then try to move on as quick as possible. So I want to bring it back to earlier in your career, and we were talking a little bit before the show. You're from Massachusetts. You're a South Shore kid like me, and most of the guys that went pro there went to the NCAA. Obviously, Whitney, Brian Boyle, Charlie Coyle all played in NCAA, even Hockey East. What brought a kid from Situate all the way out to the queue? Why'd you go the junior route? Yeah, I was I was probably the first kid to do it um, in my age group. Uh, I I was committed to Penn State. I really wanted to go to Northeastern. Um, and I got two visits there, and they never offered. Um, and I, I changed and I went to Penn State. I really enjoyed their coach, their visit there. He was, you know, an offensive mind and and seemed to really love hockey and how he how he talked about it with me at a young age. And then um, I, I visited Moncton the year that summer uh, before I committed. And that coach there also, I, I really enjoyed his name was Danny Flynn and, and how he talked about, you know, he you know basically said you can come up here and play with Ivan Barbashev for three years. And I think that gives you a really good chance to get drafted and, and will mold you into an NHL player and have those habits that they do. And I think that was hard to, hard to pass up to be able to play with a player like that for, you know, my development years. And that's why I ended up making the decision. Well, a few years Reg- later, regret, do you regret? Do you regret that decision a little? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. I I don't know if I would um, say I'm out there recommending it or I I'm you know preaching that that's the way to go. I understand that there's a lot of luck that I, that got into it to get me to where I am now, um, and being opportunistic for uh, you know when I got called up and everything would have been a lot easier to have a four-year scholarship. Um, but, you know, I took that risk and I think it's, it's there for people and there's pros and cons to it, but I'm not anyone who's, who's knocking on kids door telling them to go to the Quebec league. I think it's, it's a good option, but it's not for everybody. Did Penn state have a full ride on the table for you? They did. Yes. Wow. Connor, yeah. that's crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 I Were was, all uh, your friends back in mass? Like, what are you doing? No, no. I think uh, people knew, you know, I convinced my parents to let me go. I told them that, uh, you know, my dreams to play in the NHL. And I think Moncton gives me a better chance to play in the NHL. If it doesn't work out, that's on me. And I know people say, well, you're 16 years old, your parents, you talked you out of that. But my passion for hockey has always been there. And I'm, you know, eternally grateful for them for for giving, you know, for giving me that uh, opportunity to let me go. And, um, you know, all three of my sisters or two of my sisters played college sports. So I, 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 I was, it wasn't like it was, uh, new to us. Like I knew what that was like, but, um, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm grateful. My parents, you know, let me do that. Do you feel like you wouldn't have picked up those bad habits that you talked about slamming the door? You would have went I to may, college. 
Well, I, I think my, my, my 19 year old year when, uh, you know, maybe the league, you know, I was maybe a little too, not too good for the league, but there was, there was definitely oh, wow. some nights. We're getting headlines here, Tim. No, there was definitely <laughs> too some good for the league. No, there was definitely some nights where maybe you could have, could have benefited from playing against older players. Um, at 19, you know, you're playing against 16 year olds. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's, that's that new rule, right? Like they let guys go to the yep. American league now. I think, you know, that, that was probably where I picked up my bad habits is just playing against, you know, younger kids at, at that time. He was so frustrated that he was too good. <laughs> That's what it was. Like, I'm so good. It's frustrating for me because I have to just slow. Is that you saying you had to slow down, Connor? Because you were just like so imposing on these poor young kids. You had to ease up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was more, it was more like, I wish I, I wish I back checked maybe once or twice. That was, that was, you didn't have to back check because he had the puck, Tim, the whole time. <laughs> well, there's he's a little not bit wrong. Of truth to that. I mean, looking at your draft year, 129 points in 67 games played, which is just crazy. And you would have think with those numbers, you'd be a pretty high pick, but you went in the fifth round. Was that a surprise? Why didn't you go sooner than that? Uh, I, I was a second year. I didn't get drafted in 2014. Um, so that was my that was my second year into the draft. So there wasn't, there wasn't really a surprise. A lot of the teams I met with said there was a wide range on um, where they could see taking me on, on draft day, starting really in the third round to all the way to the seventh. So I was, I was sitting there patiently uh, just waiting. And there was a couple teams I wanted to go to and Arizona was definitely one of them. So I was, I was glad that I was glad. You wanted to go to Arizona. Nobody in Massachusetts has ever said that. Well, they didn't really have the greatest team at the time. I thought, I thought, they I got thought a big tall it, guy. <laughs> Yeah, I just thought I thought maybe in like three years that gave me a, a good chance to maybe play. You were too good for Arizona when you got drafted. That's what it was. You, you were the best player yeah. <laughs> for That's the Coyotes. I, they sent me back after three days in, in, in training camp. <laughs> oh, sorry, Tim. I thought you were going to go. No, let's talk about that because you went to yeah. um, the AHL, played a few seasons there after coming up from Moncton. What was the adjustment for like the biggest one playing juniors to playing with, uh, you know, like you said, like guys your own age and older in the AHL? I think it was just learning how to play without the puck. Um, you know, when, when you, you know, like I said, when you're in junior and you do have a lot of production, you have the puck predominantly and you, you run the power play and a lot of the offense goes through you. And then you get to the AHL and all of a sudden you're third best player in your line and you, and you have to learn how to, how to play like, play like that. And, and, uh, you know, it took me, it took me a, a year to adjust. Um, and then I, I was fortunate to have great coaching my second year with Steve, uh, pop band and Mike van Ryan. And they just worked mm -hmm. with me each, each and every day video wise. Um, you know, just learning the system, you know, getting those habits of, of cheating for pucks out of your game. And it wasn't, it wasn't that it wasn't working in the HL or it was just like that talk, talk won't allow that. That was always the, conversation is if you go up there you know rick rick won't allow this and if you want to play in the nhl you got to get a lot of this out of your game so you're a fifth rounder in that time arizona has a lot of high draft picks they weren't they were a little successful during that time they had some a, a decent playoff run i think in 14 15 where were you on the depth chart because i wasn't drafted and i i had the same road as you did ahl for three years got called up my third year and never looked back were there guys who were ahead of you and you're overlapping you're jumping over them what was that like going into camp the first year where, where did you see yourself on the chart yeah it was probably pretty low i think they had that they had max domi uh yep. and duclair. duclair and Ryder yeah. and 
Yeah, and then they had Strom, uh, yeah. Mer- Merkley, Kraus, uh, Perlini, McGinnis, Dvorak. They had all these guys that were, uh, you know, much much ahead of me, and I had a long way to go to learn to learn how to play. So uh, I knew I was going to probably spend a couple of years in the A, and as a fifth round pick, um, you don't get too many opportunities. It's not like you're going to go up and down a few times till you get comfortable. You're probably going to get one or two calls, and that's really yeah. it. So. I was I was ready for my call, uh, and I was I was fortunate when I got up. I I got hot, and I was I, and I like like you said, you just never looked back, and I never I never went back. So you never looked back, and you guys made the playoffs your second year there. So you had some success in in you know relative to how good Coyotes have been over the years. But fast forward to 2021, Oliver Ekman Larson, captain of the team, you know franchise player, he's not too happy. He wants to go. He wants to get moved. He's got a big contract. Were you expecting anything that offseason? You, you were coming off a pretty good season. You've established yourself in Arizona. What were the conversations like with Don Maloney leading up to that offseason? Did you did you have your phone on you all, all summer, knowing you were going to get dealt? Uh, no. At the time, it, it was Bill Armstrong uh, Bill. Who, who just mm. who just who just came in, um, and it was a contract year and. We just we just never really started having having contract discussions. Um, and I like I said, I loved being a, a coyote. I, uh, you know, I, I you know wanted to stay like like anybody does that that is on a team since you know they're eighteen. And uh, but they were going in a different direction. They're going in a rebuild, and you know they're kind of coming out of it now. Um, so I expected to kind of get traded. I think after I got back from the world championships that we, we hadn't started a discussion that I, I figured I was going to get traded. And, and we had mm-hmm. heard, heard from a few teams that, you know, they were in talks and uh, ended up, ended up being Vancouver. So, um, and you know, happened, it was, it was, it was nice to go to a big hockey market like this and to go with O and uh, yeah, I was excited. I was excited from uh, the day it happened. So why that always is boggling to me because you're still young, you're 27, right? So that would have put you out 23 when you were with Arizona. What? 24? 25. I was turning 26 that next season. Yeah. Still young. So why aren't you a part of this rebuild? You're almost a point per game guy at that point. You have 39 points, 49 games. You were arguably one of their better players. Does it annoy you that they're shopping you? You're this young kid. You're ready to cash in. This is your time to, you know, have a big contract. You seem pretty calm about it. Yeah, I think at the, I, I think I've gotten over it. Um, I think at the time, you know, during the season when there wasn't contract negotiations going on, I was maybe frustrated, and you know, I was definitely willing to go back and in understanding that it even was going into a rebuild because you know I had loyalty to that organization that gave me the opportunity. And uh, but but you know, when when the trade happens, it's it's kind of you just move right on. And yeah. you know, Vancouver obviously gave me a contract quickly after and then um you know you're very appreciative to that organization for doing that so from that day on I, you know i was a vancouver canuck and you know i've been happy happy ever since and what a contract it was you went from making less than one million every year to making five point, <laughs> five point five point five million dollars was it four point five or yeah, yeah i think it was a shade under five um and uh yeah That's it, pretty it, good. Was, it was yeah it was it was a uh five-year deal and it's you know i signed that i could have probably signed last year's but i i saw exactly what was happening here um with the future they had those young guys and and pd and huggy and 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 milsey and bass all those guys so i was i was excited to be a part of that for for a long time 
What was the first thing you bought after you signed the big contract? After making, like John said, a lot less for the first few years of your career? Uh, well, I, I, I purchased our, my wife and I's home. I think that was, that was, I'm not a crazy spender. I just, uh, you know, wanted a, wanted a house to live in. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted a house. In yeah. Vancouver or in uh, Mass? In our, in our uh, hometown, we moved, to, uh, we moved to Marshfield, Marshfield, Mass. Ooh, that's nice. a nice area, Tim, I heard. It is beautiful. <laughs> so I want to talk about the organization because I played in Arizona. I know how the ins and outs of that organization work. It's, it's a smaller market, not a lot of budget. You go from that situation to Vancouver where they have a sleep coach, they have endless amounts of trainers and people who are trying to help you with your diet, trying to get the most out of the athletes. What did you think was the biggest difference? And I'm not slighting Arizona. It's just, you know, the nature of the business. You have more money, you have more opportunities, you have more assets. What's the biggest thing that helps you on a day-to-day -day life? Well, I think the guys at Arizona, the the equipment staff and the and the trainers room, Zenobi and and Stan uh, are, are the two guys ahead there. Are probably you know some of the best in the business. Um, you know, and they and they do deal with a small market team, and, and what they do there is is remarkable. They were two great guys, um, but coming coming to a bigger market, I, I think the biggest thing for me was just the media. You know, coming into the room, um, usually it's one or two guys in Arizona. You know, you knew them by name. Um, you know, they would text you and ask you a question. Like it was, it was definitely different than now when you, you sit at the podium and there's, you know, 30 cameras and, and microphones. So, and it's every practice. It's not just, it's not just after games against the Leafs. It's, it's every practice they're, they're there. So I think that, that was for me was the biggest, um, you know, changing, you know, change for me is, is having to deal with that. What it, what's it like going from the media, the first two years where they were just all over you guys like just public enemy number one what's wrong with us everybody's on the trading block we got to blow this team up Pedersen sucks jt miller is over <laughs> overpaid garland's overpaid why'd we sign this guy demko stinks now how was that do you guys commiserate in the room together because i've been around it a little bit but i've never been one of the top guys like you're a top guy con you know just embrace it do you commiserate with those guys like gosh this, this is tough for for sure, last year was was definitely um, was tough on on me, and I think Brock um, and you know Bo Bo Horvat was here with us, and, and and him going through. There was a lot of trade rumors, Tyler Meyer, so that was that was definitely tough. The uncertainty, and it kind of started uh, from from game one. Once once we started losing, we started off I think zero and six, and it, it was it was never ending, you know, till the trade deadline. So it was uh, it was a tough year, and I think that's. But that's that's to be expected when you lose. You know, you know, we're paid, we're paid, you know, a lot of money as professional athletes, and that's part of the territory. Is when you don't perform, that's that's stuff you have to deal with. But it's it's not that it's easy. It's just that that's part of the life. Um, and that's you know, when you win, you get to you know, kind of have a quiet season like we are right now. I'm sure we'll pick up eventually, but um, you know, it's been nice so far. And you see the success guys are having. Brock was in trade rumors all year, and that's that's tough to deal with. And now he's. He's got 30 goals. So uh, you can kind of see when, when you have peace of mind, you know, what, what guys can do and, and how they can perform. Do you lean on the wife a little bit? Because you're, you're not one for trade rumors yourself. Your name gets bandied about two for some reason. Who do you lean on? Do you talk to guys in the room, your family, your wife? How do you just kind of block it out? Yeah, me and my wife really don't talk hockey. Um, no, you said that twice now. It doesn't go home at all? 
No, no, it's just that's that's not really, you know, our our relationship. Uh, we just, you know, we we just kind of hang out, watch movies. Um, you know, that's kind of our big project for the day is find out what movie we're going to watch at night. You know, we're for, we have a we have a great dog that we, we we spend our days with walking, and it's nice not to not to talk hockey because I talk it enough, you know, on the phone, mm-hmm. and you know, I have friends around the league. Um, you know, when 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 trade rooms happen. Yeah, I probably talk to my dad the most, maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and try to try to talk it through him and, and how I'm handling it. Um, but luckily, this season, since since you know, everything happened at the start of the year, it's over now, and uh, you know, it's been it's been quiet, so it's it's been nice. Quinn Hughes is gonna have probably over 100 points this year as a defenseman. Can you talk a little bit about just the steps that he's taken each of the years that you guys have played together over the last three years, and just what it's like watching him do what he does every night? Yeah, he's uh, he's one of my close friends, and I get to see uh, a lot of the stuff you know that he does in the summer, um, and 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 how serious he he took it this this year. Uh, he, he he's he's improved his eating habits. Um, you know, he's reading a book almost almost weekly, trying to improve his brain. Like he's he's really he's really taking it to another level. Uh, I mean, I know that's I all know you got to do, kids. That's it. You eat a little better and read a book. I, I know that's Simple. that sounds that sounds silly, but as a captain, when he when he's twenty three years old, uh, that mm-hmm. that motivates you, and that that motivates our group to see how much better you know he is playing with with the stuff he's doing off the ice, um, you know, and and he's just he's the engine for our team. You know, when he has the pockets, good things happen each and every time. And how many touches he gets, it's remarkable. If I have fifteen touches in the game, I get worried because there's going to be a few bad plays. But he seems to never make a bad decision with the puck, and he gets it a lot more than I do. So, um, I, I hope he, you know, gets gets the recognition he gets this year because it, it's been it's been you know crazy to watch from up close. And one of the things about him too, because he's so skilled offensively, and he's not a big guy, he gets kind of knocked a lot, at least in the media. I don't know what it's like in Vancouver, but around the league, of just not being that great defensively. But if you watch him play, he controls the puck so well. He's you can't miss him on the ice. Do you feel like his defensive skills get overlooked a little bit? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's uh, probably goes back to the, just the size thing. When you're a defenseman, you're small. I think that's an easy thing to say. But he he defends with his feet. I think those are the hardest guys to play against. I think, uh, you know, you saw like the Tang back back when Pittsburgh was winning cups, how much he would defend on surfing and coming across using his feet and killing plays before guys get into the, get over the red line. And that's what Huggy does a lot is a lot of times he's not even in his D zone because he's killing plays before they get in there with the skating. Um, and he, 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 you know, you turn on him quickly in the corner and practice, he's already back in your face because he's that quick you know you see his quickness at the blue line but it goes underrated how that's both sides of the ice he can he can cover you with his feet that well and um that's that yeah i i hate when i see that he's not a good defender because i i think he's he's one of the best who's who's harder to, to deal with in practice hughes or or myers so so if, different if they're I'm guarding th- you if they're guarding you. yeah yeah for, well for me probably hughes um because Mizey's Mizey's big, I try to get under bigger guys and use the leverage. Um, and you know, if uh, you know, a lot of times a lot of bigger guys have to take a penalty on you, not not on purpose, but you know, you get into their hands and you know it's uncomfortable for them. So with 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 Huggy, yeah, I would say one of my strengths is skating, and his is much better. So there's no there's no upside for me going up up against him. But Mizey, you know, maybe I can get under him from time to time. But yeah, you know, both of them are both of them are hard. 
We'll clip out that last part, Tim. We'll we'll just say Myers sucks and Hughes is a lot better. <laughs> so we'll we'll we'll, we'll make that a, a clip. This is great. So we have that one, and Connor's too good for NCAA. So we're getting some good stuff yeah. here. What what when your GM goes out and makes a deal for Nikita Zadorov because uh, the guy was going to be the most highly coveted D prospect at the trade deadline. I played with him. In Buffalo, he's a moose of a man. He's got a good offensive awareness for his size. Like you said, he's a, he's a monster. Does that change the mindset a little bit? Because at the time, you guys are you're playing well. You're, you're in first place, but all of a sudden, you, you guys are adding pieces. You're adding tie-end guys. Does that change it? You go from like, okay, this is a really fun start. Holy crap, we're a Stanley Cup contender now. We have some expectations. I, I think it just gives you a boost. I think, um, you know, I think our – you know, when, when you see that uh, your GM, you know, maybe believes in your group and, and sees what you guys are doing. And it, it was still early on in the year, um, but it just gives everybody a nice little boost. And, and you recognize that we are adding a few pieces and, you know, we're getting better. And as he was, as he was in our uh, division uh, and, yeah. and he was always, like I said, he's always hard to play against. So when that's on your side, that, that feels a lot, a lot better. Um, so, yeah, it's been a great addition for us. Um, he's, you know, he's a big personality for us as well. It was fun to, fun to have him in the locker room. He gets a hard time here. You know, we have, we have guys going at it, but, uh, he, he enjoys it and he's, uh, he, he deals with it in a great way. Well, I, Tim does this little rapid fire questions. I could ask you questions all day. I, I'm actually surprised you're even doing the interview. You just woke up like an hour ago, like you're an animal. So no, no, I got up a couple my, my, uh, my dog woke me up at eight. So I, I've been up, we had a cup of coffee and a homemade breakfast for the first time in a month. So it was nice. That's nice. What'd you have for breakfast? Uh, well, now, now I'll get in trouble with our, with our trainer. I had a couple of pancakes and a couple of slices of bacon. They'll, they'll tell me how that, uh, I, I can't, I can't practice well tomorrow. Cause I, cause I didn't have gluten-free pancakes here. So we'll see. So is it, is it that in depth where they track everything you eat? Like you have a, no, 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 but they, they're, they're, they're very, diligent they're 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 great if you if you need to eat something like uh, z z eats gluten-free pancakes like our team will get that for him like they're, they're the the guys on that part of our staff the science and the the sports uh they are very diligent they're they're uh, hard working too so we're, we're fortunate to have those two guys so when i played the best thing on the road you would get a big piece of fried chicken and then you would have ranch and you would get Alfredo sauce and you get some hot sauce and you mix it all together and you would have a big plate of Alfredo pasta with it. And is that on the menu for the Vancouver Canucks? Cause I don't feel like that's inducive for a good performance that night. What, what <laughs> no. do you guys have for pregame in Vancouver? Well, I think, I think what, um, when you hear the best players in their sports, sometimes it gets leaked out what they eat and a lot, it's a copycat, you know, like I, I changed when I heard that Tom Brady ate salmon before game. So then I started to eat salmon. Um, and then I think people heard, you know, Nathan McKinnon eat chickpea pasta. So guys started eating that and gluten-free pasta. So it's kind of, if somebody out there is, you know, getting advantages, guys try to just, just copy and, and, and um, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how it, it, it all ends up. You know, you just, you hear from other people what, what, you know, the best are eating. So I know uh, we have gluten-free and, and we have a pasta bar here and it's, it's great, but, uh, I try to eat, I try to eat as healthy as possible on, on game days. What's your body fat at? <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm like eight and a half, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, a little thick for, for a shorter guy, you know, I'm about five, 
five seven, five eight, right in between there, and I weigh about one hundred and eighty one pounds. So wow, yeah, that well, is big, one eighty one. Yeah, well, I try I try to get down to about one seventy seven, but uh, it's it's sometimes tougher when you're on the road that long. Can you see your abs? Like no. when you? <laughs> no. Oh no, no. kidding. <laughs> That's interesting, Tim, because no. usually the shorter guys are always shredded, absolutely yeah. ripped. Yes, yeah. We had, like, can yeah, Quinn? Do you see? Does Quinn have like a six pack? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Probably that. Probably the guy. Uh, I was gonna say he was very short, but he wasn't. But the uh, Bovillier was probably he. He was he was in great shape for for a smaller guy. That's that's a that's a you know he was about five nine. Um, I used to tell him he was a lot shorter than me, but I can't I can't anymore. So. Um, that's funny yeah yeah you're right the shorter guys are usually you know jacked except for you you're an outlier except for for me yeah yeah he doesn't want to show off tim he he can't have everything i uh i do a little tv for the hawks now bovillier he's out out for a while i wonder if he's eating pasta with gluten in it (laughs) yeah i think he had a he had a he had a wrist injury that was tough he was a great he was a great teammate they they got lucky to get him he uh you know, I, I enjoyed him a lot. I played against him in the queue for a couple of years and, and didn't like him. And then we, he came to Van and he was one of my favorites. So funny how it works. The queue has got a reputation of being a all skill, no physicality, very soft league. Did you see that playing there? Because I grew up in Ontario. I, I was the opposite of you. I wanted to play major juniors, but I wasn't good enough. So I had to go to the NCAA. It was the best thing I ever did. Was the queue soft as everybody talks about? Uh, no, I, I didn't think our team was, we had, we had, you know, Ross Johnson, um, Zach McEwen. Zach McEwen yeah. yeah. We had, um, a couple guys that, you know, didn't end up playing, uh, professional, professionally Kyle Haas. Like he, he fought, I think 25 times a year, Reed Holiday. Like these guys were fighting there each and every night. So we had a really tough team. Um, and, uh, I think, I think that's probably, they, they ended up, I think they don't have fighting anymore in the queue from the last time I checked, which I think is a massive, yeah, massive mistake. Um, But that's, you know, maybe they, they, they leaned into that, uh, that perception. They did. Who was the big star in the queue when you were there? McKinnon, uh, Ehlers, uh, Duran was there for a while. Mantha, (laughs) uh, Barbashev. There was, there was, there was a bunch, Sam Gerrard, um, yeah, we had we had we had a lot of guys that were that were that were great players that you know it's fun to kind of still see where they are now. I should imagine if you would have went to Penn State, he would be a first liner, Tim. <laughs> He's on the best team in the league. I think he did something okay. <laughs> All right, Tim, do your quick hits here. Let yeah, him get out of here. Fire, rapid fire questions are brought to you by DoorDash Canada. The first one here is: What was your favorite subject in school? History. He didn't nice. go to school. Kidding me? <laughs> uh, favorite vacation spot? Uh, probably, probably uh, Tampa. I go to Tampa in the summer. Oh my gosh, Connor! Oh for two in the question. So Tampa, the guy just signed yeah. a five million dollar deal. He's going to Disneyland. He's going to Tampa. Yeah, I mean that's actually where we go. Me and my wife we go, we go to Disneyland. Stop. What's in Tampa that's so good? Uh, I coach a tournament for my uh, junior GM. So we, we get to spend a week at a nice resort and me and my wife go to Disney a few days. All inclusive? 
Yeah, it's pretty pretty inclusive. <laughs> wow. No, like like you get I know, free I drinks. Know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not like diversity equity. No, Is everybody no. allowed at the resort? <laughs> <laughs> no, everything's every, everything's covered. It's five ten and under. You have to be a certain height. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're we're good then. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> Um, oh gosh. Who, which which player did you idolize or model your game after when you were younger? Um, Mark Savard or uh, Sergey Samsonov. Nice. I love the Sergey Samsonov reference. My favorite player growing up, one of them was him. He's so good. Yeah, he he got he got the uh, I think he had Pat Burns in Boston. They kind of buried him a little bit, but he was a he was a tr- very very skilled player. That probably would dominate the league nowadays oh 100 overshadowed by jumbo a little bit came in i think they came in the same year same draft yeah jumbo yeah. went first and he went eighth i believe yeah. what a draft that really worked out for him um who has been the favorite line mate of your career so far or line mates you could say in <laughs> camp too because we probably played together in camp yeah. <laughs> um well it's tough not to say the two guys now but uh me me keller and schmaltz had a good stretch there and, and our uh, talk talk called us the no leash line. So we were, we always, we always found that funny. What does Who's that the mean? Har- the no leash line. Sorry, Tim. Uh, any, mis- any mistakes are getting broken up. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I love that. Um, who's the hardest defenseman in the league to play against besides Quinn? Uh, oh, off the team. Uh, I, uh, I'll say someone like underrated. Um, I think Matt Roy in LA is very good. And I like uh, Lozon in Nashville. I think those two guys are, are, are extremely hard to play against. Matt Roy is a Michigan Tech alumni where he went to school. Okay. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, I played with him at Worlds. And he's, uh, I, I, I really never, never knew of him before then, but he is, he's very, very good, very smart. Social media gets you into trouble. Someone said that Matt Roy is the best player for the Kings for the last five years, the best D-man. Drew Doughty commented, not a chance. And so now there's some <laughs> there's some some affliction there. So yeah. Um, stay off Twitter, it, I'll, Connor. No I'll ask, uh, I'll ask again. Who's the most underrated player in the whole league? Maybe we'll pick a forward this time. Oh, I uh, I said this to Quinn the other day. We were talking about this. I probably see Philip Forsberg. I, I, I he was he was extremely fun to fun to watch when we played them. I think we played him three times this year. I'd say probably Forsberg. How does that conversation go between you and Quinn? You just talk about the other team like that was fun to watch him play. We 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 get dinner a lot together, and we just we both like hockey, so we just we just talk hockey. And um, yeah, I think I yeah we were, I think we were playing. Guess guess who I think the most underrated is. Oh, no kidding. Riveting dinners. Riveting dinners. <laughs> you guys get beers or wine or just water? And... Yeah, we neither of us uh, are drink. So, uh, Smart. It's, uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, in bed by 830. It's quite 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 the group. Everybody. everybody you guys smoke a lot of marijuana because Vancouver's known for their marijuana. <laughs> we do not. No, no. Okay. Just uh, asking. <laughs> last question. Last question here. We have a lot of young kids that listen to the show. What advice do you give to young hockey players who want to improve their game? Yeah, uh, I, I actually run a, run a camp in the summer for for younger. Come players. to my camp, I, he said. No, <laughs> yeah, come to my camp. No, um, my 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 advice is always is always the same: is you have to play with your head up. I think the game moves so fast nowadays, and I think unfortunately they've taken hitting out at a young age. So kids aren't taught how to get hit or how to take hits or how to protect themselves from hits. 
and it's an art and it's, it's how you avoid injuries to your shoulders, uh, into your head, which is most important. So I think, I think playing with your head up and, and protecting yourself, that's, that's most important. You know, the percentage of people that make the NHL or, or NCAA is a small number. Um, but you don't want to be someone that gets, gets a head injury from a sport. So to learn how to protect yourself at a young age is, is, is huge. It's pivotal. Which is a dying art. I love that answer because you don't hear that very often. People get seriously injured by not knowing how to take a hit and they put themselves in bad situations. So I think, but like, uh, do you think this is a problem with the league, especially for defensemen? They lean into a, a check from behind. They'll, they'll shoulder back at the very last second. Then you hit them from behind and you get a two or a five or whatever the penalty is. It's th- those penalties are just going through the roof. Yes. I, I don't think those penalties are the ones that, or those hits are the ones that cause massive injuries. I think it's the ones where a guy, doesn't look up ice or um, catches or skating through the neutral zone and, and, you know, bobbles a puck and doesn't understand that danger's coming. Or, uh, you know, I think those are the injuries, you know, when, when you're hitting your head at full speed is, is, is what, you know, I'd like to see out of the game, you, but you can't take it out of the game without removing hits. You have to take it out of the game by guys learning to protect themselves and, and understanding that there's a guy that's five feet away. I might need to get my head up here. So I don't get, you know, so I don't get hit. And I think unfortunately, they've taken hitting out of the game at young ages and you see kids skating around with their heads down. And, you know, sometimes you might run into Tom Wilson and that's, that's scary. You know, those guys, those guys are, I don't think he's a dirty player at all. I think he's just a strong man that, you know, understands what, what he needs to do to help his team. And sometimes it's to, it's to hit somebody. Who's the hardest hitter in the league? Uh, I mean, Sue, Sue, Sue's caught me a few times. Like no he's, kidding. he's strong. He's very strong. Um, Shenner, Shenner's, Shenner's a big, big man doing box out with him in practice isn't fun. He's just a big man. So, um, that's a tough question. There's so many, there's so many guys that are so big and strong nowadays that, uh, and fast that's that, that's the guys you worry about that can, that can skate and then, and then yeah. get you. So those are, uh, there's a bunch. Who's got the best nickname on your team? Because you mentioned Huggy. I like that. Seuss. That's okay. Like, what's your nickname? What do people call you? Uh, Arizona was always G, and then it's changed to Garly because we have a trainer here that's G. So it's Garly, which is just okay. Uh, I don't know. That's a good – I mean, Z's nice. That's nice. What's Nils Hoglander's nickname? Uh, Hoggy. Hoggy. I like that. Yeah, that's he's, pretty solid. He's, he's a fun, he's a good kid. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, there's there's uh, yeah, that's probably that's probably it. I think I think we have a pretty pretty boring group of nicknames. Are you frustrated? Speaking of names, um, that you probably are top three now of Connors in the league because of Connor Bedard coming in. He gets a lot of press, and there's obviously McDavid. Does that keep you up at night thinking about that sort of kind of kind of stuff? Well, Hellebuck, so I was already out of the top three. Oh, man, now you're dropping out of the top yeah, three. I'm out. I'm out. And then, you know, um, if you if you want to do last names, Kyle Connor, I could be out of the top ten by the time oh my gosh, you know, we figure it out. Yeah. This is getting worse. <laughs> this is not good. Yeah, it's they all spell good. it differently, though. They all got the two yeah, ends in there. One, I got one N. I, I'm the only one that spells it correctly, so that's that. I have that going for me. Clip that, too, Tim. <laughs> Connor spells yeah. it right. Those other guys are wrong. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Connor, man, that's enough. We'll let you go. Thanks for joining us, man. This is a blast. Is there anything you want to plug? Your hockey school? No, 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 no. I, I don't. 
the smaller groups are easier for me to coach, so it's fine. Um, but Connor uh, hates no, kids. I, will cut that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. That's it. All right. Well, good luck the rest of the way to all the boys on the team. I said hi. I actually know quite a few of them. I, I skate with Brock Besser a little bit when I was still playing. So, oh, yeah, good, good group of guys you got there. Good luck the rest of the way. Like I said, then we'll catch you around, Connor. See you, buddy. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Cheers. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.